Hello, Sawona, how's it? Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Okay. Now, if we're to be computer, I would say probably we are still booting. But, you know, we've been in the system for, like, how many minutes now? Um, so, almost an hour we've been in the service. So, even if it's a slow system, we should be around 80% now. So, good morning, church. Okay. Um, for those of us who are just joining us for the first time, um, we'd like to just welcome you here. Uh, this is Every Nation Durban. And we are here to honor God, advance his kingdom by being an LD church that plants other LD churches. And um, as a church, we sometimes have to embark on series of messages and in which we go maybe for five weeks, maybe for seven weeks as the Lord leads us. And on this particular time of this year, our first series that we've been dealing with, or I would say the second series is Eternity Matters. And you see it at that side. And, and this series, this is the fifth week in the series. So the first four weeks, uh, we've been going through different things in the series. And I must tell you, if you have not been here for the first four weeks, uh, that this is quite an interesting series. Uh, it's not a message that we normally hear in the church uh, in these days and in this era. Is a, church, is a message that people normally don't talk about. Uh, we focus our attention more on other things than the issue of eternity. And so I know for many of us, and if not all of us, it's been you know, refreshing coming back again and challenging, going and listening to the fact that we have to speak about heaven and be reminded of heaven. Because like Pastor Wayne said at the beginning of the series, heaven has become more like a myth to some of us. And uh, we sometimes have even forgotten about heaven. We know one day we will go to heaven, uh, but we just say, okay, it's just that place there. And at the same time, we've had messages on hell, uh, which is not something people want to hear. And we've had messages on judgment and justice. You know, uh, it is actually, it takes the grace of God for a, for, for a preacher to want to embark on such a message. Because uh, you could actually have people saying, oh, this church is actually talking more on judgment than any other thing. Or they're talking more on heaven and hell. Maybe I should go to a church where they will talk to me about something else different from heaven and hell. Because I already know that hell exists. But I don't want to be reminded of it. I know heaven exists. And I know I will go there one day. But I don't want to be reminded until that day when I get there. So uh, it is actually a message that takes a lot of thought into and uh, I know it comes from the heart of God for him to have brought that to us. And so over the last four weeks, we've had to talk about the issue of uh, uh, heaven, hell, judgment, judgment, justice. We've talked talk about the crown, the crown in eternity. And we, have to, we are reminded that the issue of eternity matters is not actually about going to heaven alone. And I think one of the high points for me, or the highlight for me, in the series as we are going on is that part when Pastor Owen was saying to us, quoting from that scripture in, that 
in Corinthians that the fact is that sometimes what happens is some of us, we might end up getting to heaven, but it might be like someone that have just passed through the fire. And then you will realize that you get to that side of heaven. And as I was sharing with people, uh, we're sharing in our connect group, that it's unimaginable to actually look at a situation where you get to heaven and you are saying, uh, so where is my accommodation now? And they say, actually, you don't have accommodation, but you are in heaven. And you are like, ah, but I thought everyone has a mansion. Actually, we tried your work, but, you know, uh, it was actually burnt. So you managed to enter, but uh, there is nothing. And you can't imagine it. But when he was reading that scripture to us, he said, everyone's work will be tried by fire. And if their work goes through, fine. But if not, they will suffer loss. But they themselves will make it into heaven. But it will be like someone passing through the fire. And it's just something that we don't want to think about. We don't want to think about someone who has actually built a house and spent all his investment, all our investment on that house. And he sees that house being burnt down. And all he or she can escape with is just the cloth on their body. They have managed to survive the fire, but actually nothing to show for it. And it seems to me like if all your energy, everything you have put into it, have been wasted. So when he's reminding us of heaven, it's not just about that we are going to be in heaven one day, but that we remember that there is a reward. And that's why when there is a message that last week, Makabongo was telling us that justification is by faith, but commendation by faithfulness. By faithfulness. And while I was sitting there, I was reminded of the children of Israel. They came out of Egypt, but many of them did not enter the promised land. The issue of coming out of Egypt was one thing, but the issue the promised land was the ultimate. And it means that the Bible made us realize that they missed out because the purpose of God taking them out of Egypt was not because of Egypt itself, was because he wanted to take them to the promised land. And without them getting to the promised land, the purpose of getting out of Egypt was of no use. And that's why the Bible says to them, it says, we are in the end. We are in the parallel story with them. We are in the end of times. And we are being warned that all these things that we read about in scriptures, they are written for our own admonition. They are examples. And we are in the point where we have so many examples to go through so that we do not make the same mistakes that people have made in the past. So we are privileged because many of them did not have the Bible. We are privileged. Many of them never heard the sermon that have been preached about eternity matters. There are people who are born and they will die and they never had the opportunity of sitting and listening to messages. And at the end of the day, they will still have to go through the judgment. Therefore, for me and for you, it is an opportunity. But also to him, much is given 
much is expected. So today, we are going to be talking about stewardship. And I want us to understand that this message today is not for one person. It's for every one of us. Because sometimes we hear messages and we say, oh, I wish my neighbor was here. You know, I wish my cousin was here. I wish that person was here. You know, that message is for that person. But I believe that the message this morning is for every one of us. And we will have to look inwardly at that part that concerns us. It is for me, because as I sat down there, my, I was reminded again of that scripture in James that says, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, I do not want many of you to be teachers, because teachers will be judged more strictly. And again, my heart went to that scripture in Matthew 12. They see, it says, everyone will give account of every idle word that he says. He said, by your word, you will be judged. By your word, you'll be acquitted. By your word, you'll be condemned. And it means, me that, it means that even the words that I will say, you know, that I will have to give account of it. Is it my word? Or is it the word of someone who has sent me to speak it? And there where I was, I said, you know, I have a problem. And my problem is because I'm just a carrier of a message, it means that the person who has given me the message, if he calls me in the middle of the message and say, I want you to add this to the message, I cannot say, but, but um, uh, I've already gone with the message. No. And so sometimes... Having PowerPoint is always, criti- is always a struggle for me because I'm not sure if I'll be able to stick to the PowerPoint. So this morning, I want us to just know that this is, we are building up on what we have started about five weeks ago. And it's critical that we look at stewardship as it affects eternity because everything is about eternity. No, there are certain things that does not actually, you know, affect eternity. As a believer, there are some issues I don't even worry about. Because my question is, does it affect eternity? No. Okay, then let's not worry about it. But does it affect eternity? Yes. Then we have to look critically at this. Because now, you know, so there are certain things. Somebody says, uh, angels, uh, are they male, are they female? Does it affect eternity? No. Okay, let them be pale or female. Fine. It doesn't make any difference to me. But their name is Gabriel. Of what business is it to me? But the ones that have eternity in view, things that have, can affect eternity, then it means I have to pay attention to it. And you have to pay attention to it. And every one of us have to pay attention to it. So this morning, this today is one of those messages that actually we are going to things that actually have consequence for us in eternity we might not know or we might know and we might have forgotten but remember all we are doing is not that we are trying to lay a new foundation just like paul said that no new foundation can anyone lay except that which has been laid which is christ jesus but everyone who is building let him watch how he builds and let him watch with what he builds with because you can build and people see it and it looks so good. But you know that you have built 
with something that is not going to last. So the issue is not building. The issue is what you are building with. So this morning we are going to read our text. And it's from Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version, and we have it there. Um, we can follow as we read. It's a long verse, and we'll try as much as possible to go through it. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents, to another, two, and to another, one. To each, according to his ability. Then he went away. We are going to be highlighting certain issues here. Take note, to each according to his ability. Verse 16. He who had received the, first, the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug into the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Yeah, I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a husband, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talents. Okay. Okay. So, take the talent, verse 28 now, from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, will more be given, and we have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. 
and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. That that place there will be weeping. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Father, this morning, our gathering is not to flesh and blood, but to you. We ask this morning that you will speak to us. We ask that you will express your word into our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we ask, O oh Lord, that our heart will be a fertile ground for your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Every Christian, I believe, might at one time or the other have read through the scripture. Or you might have heard this message about the talents. And we can interpret it in different ways. We can talk about it as physical talents. And we can talk about it as money. We can talk about it in different forms that we choose to talk about it. And one thing is clear in this and sometimes even people have come out with different questions. That is the master judge. Is he actually a, a judge, a, a, a correct judge? Has he actually judged rightly by actually giving at the end of the day, they, taking the talent from the one that has one and giving it to the, to the one that has ten? Why didn't he give it to the one that has two? And many questions come up. And sometimes we, you know, we have to say, you know, what is it to you if the master chose to give to the ten and not the two? And what is it to you if the master chooses to give to the two and not to the ten? That is not the point this morning. The point is not for us to examine again that was he actually just in giving, taking from the one that has one and giving to the one that has ten or not giving to the one that has to. That is not the point this morning. But the point this morning we are examining is to look critically at certain lessons that we can learn for our own lives as we journey on this issue. And today, I want us to look critically at this scripture as much as possible. So it might be a little bit of teaching, but I want us to look at what can we learn from this parable? What can we learn from this parable? And what was the first thing we look at when the Bible started in verse 14? Now, for us who have read this story, you will know that it doesn't start from verse 14. From the beginning, he started telling us that the kingdom of God is like this. And he started with the story of the ten virgins. That he says, five were wise and five were foolish. And then he got to this form and he continued and said, the, story, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And we understand that we are looking at your kingdom come that will be done on heart at the season heaven. So it means that whatever it is, is trying to show this is how the kingdom of heaven operates. This is the principle on which it operates. So we are beginning to say, let's pay attention to how the kingdom of heaven is. Because only the one who has been to heaven knows how heaven operates. And the Bible says that no one has been to heaven except the son of man who actually comes down from heaven. And that is Jesus. So when Jesus began to speak here that this is how the kingdom of heaven is, it means that we have to pay close attention to it because he's speaking from experience. He's speaking firsthand, telling us this is the principle on which the kingdom of heaven operates. He's not saying 
I, I think this is how heaven is. The kingdom of heaven is like this. So, I want us to look at this. First of all, when we look at verse 14, it says, a man was going on a journey and decided that he was going to call all his servants and he was going to give every one of them to manage his property. Now, steward, a steward is a manager. It's somebody who has been entrusted with something that belongs to the master for a period of time. So, the first thing I want us to know is that all of us are stewards. What we are called to steward might not be the same. And it's who, in most cases, not be the same. I am standing before you here. I'm a steward of the word of God. And that is why I will give account of it. Your pastor is a steward. He will give account of the people that God has entrusted into his hand. Your connect group leader is a steward. He's going to give account of the people that God has given him. If you are a team and ministry leader, you are a steward. You are stewarding something. But even if you think that, oh, I'm not a ministry team and ministry leader, I'm just part of the team, you are still a steward. You have been given something to steward. So today, when we're talking about the talents and being given the talent to steward, we are not going to talk about just something that is just money. We're going to be talking about time, relationship, the things God have given to us, the children God have given to us, for those of us that are married and God has given kids to, we have called to steward them. We are going to give account of everything. No, do not think, for those of us who are married and have kids, do not, do not think that, you know, it's my children. I will do, I will treat them the, will do any way I want. You know, you can't ask me to give account. No, you will give account to the person that gave the child to you. You don't have to give account to me. I don't have to give account to you. You don't have to tell me, ah, you can't, you, what right do you have to, to mingle into my activities? No, I don't have any right. But somebody who gave it to you will call you to account. You call me to account. And we will all give account. So we are stewards. I want us to, this to sink into us. As we move on. And everyone has been given a talent. That's what we read in the scripture. If you look at that next verse, it says, He gave every one of them. Now I want us to look at it closely. The Bible says He gave some, one, five. He gave one, two. And He gave one, one. According to their ability. God knows us. And that's why God is not wanting you and I to compete. God is not wanting you to say, oh, you know, uh, I, can, I can sing better than you. That's not the point. It's not that, oh, why is it God? Why is it that this person can sing and me, I, I don't have a good voice to sing? No, that's not the point. You understand? It's not the point that, oh, why is it that only these people preach? I too, I will go and preach. No, that's not the point. The point is, 
we have all been given something. And rather focus on what you have been given and the earlier you start doing something with it, the better. So we have all been given and we have been given according to our ability. And as we proceed on this journey, we will see certain things that we need to learn. Now, another thing we will see is there is a date to set to account. Bible says in verse 19, so he called him, you know, he said, he, he, he actually called them and he came and he wanted to set to account to them. There's another scripture in the book of Luke chapter 16 verse 12 where the Bible says of a steward. He says it was a dishonest steward. And people have been talking outside and it happens that his master had something. And he said, what is this that I hear about you? You have to give account of your stewardship because you might no longer become a steward to me. You see, this issue is critical because when we talk about every one of us will be called to account. It means, you know, like when Pastor Wayne started this series, that you can say there is no heaven. You can say, you know, it's just, heaven is just some ideas just to make people live right when they are here. You know, but actually when they die, they will realize that there is no heaven. It's just a concept to try to make them live right. And he was saying at the beginning, are you ready to bet your life on it? Because when you are called to account, you know, and we'll still come back to that. That when you are called to account, will you be able to give account? You know, some years back, I met this young man. He says, I don't believe there is God. No, I don't believe in heaven. And we're talking. And then he said, you know, that when I get to heaven, <laughs> he doesn't believe there is heaven. He doesn't believe there is God. But I, I will ask God. Now, <laughs> I will ask God, you know, some questions. I have questions for him. Now, you are telling me you don't believe there is heaven. You don't believe there is God. But now, you are, ask, you are telling me that when you get to heaven, you will ask God some questions. You'll be shocked. Because you see, you, you can tell me, you can ask me questions. But you see, the, the issue is, God does not owe you an answer. He doesn't. And it's not as if when you now talk, and he says, okay, you have your question, you have, he gives you the answer. You now say, okay, now I believe. And, you know, I believe now there is heaven. So can I go back and, and you know, just live like if now I know. No, it's finished. Like he said to us, Pastor Wayne said, it has been appointed for man to die once. That's how the scripture writes. And after that, what? Judgment. We'll all give account. We'll all be called to account. Romans chapter 14, verse 12 says, everyone will give a personal account. We'll all give personal account. And in our account, we must bear in mind that, you see, in our account, there will be nothing like, uh, you know, my pastor said, no, your pastor himself will give account. He will give account. So, there won't be an issue. It's a personal account. I want us to continue. What can we learn? God will judge everyone and he will reward them according 
to how they have actually used the talent he gave to them. I want us to take note of that scripture when we read. He told us, if you go back to that scripture, he said, when the first one came, he said, Master, you gave me five. I've made five more. He didn't tell, and the other one said, Master, you gave me two. I've made two more. He didn't say, okay, you know, uh, you, sh- you, uh, you tried a little bit, but you know, the guy with five, he was super. No. The response to them was the same. Because he knew what they are, he has given them and he knew what they are able to do. You see, we we'll have a problem when somebody gives testimony to say, you know, I, I went out and I preached to some people and, you know, I made, you know, God just, 50 people got saved. And then you think that is an issue of numbers. So now you have to start seeing that you meet up with what that person is doing. No, the grace given to us are different. Paul expressly said it. You know, everyone should live within the grace that has been given to him. Because if not, we are going to miss it. But then, I want us to look again at the scripture because we say we are looking at what can we learn. Everyone is expected to invest their talents and gifts. Everyone is expected. Now, I want us to look at this critically in a way that honors God. I want us to look at that scripture again. And this is why what happens in the scripture. This man, God gave them gifts. And he came back and he said, I've made, the first one said, the Bible said he went right away and he invested. He worked with that gift, talent, and he made five more. Now I want you to understand that there are key issues here. He went immediately. He didn't waste time. But the fact that he made five was not that it was an instant thing. It was a period, something that was consistent. Something that was done over the period for which the master had gone. For the period the master went, we do not know. How long the master went for, we do not know. But the only thing we know that the master went for a long time. Because the Bible says, after a long time, he came back. So, we know that he went for a long time. But the duration, we do not know. So, we do not know how much or when this man or this servant was able to make five additional ones. But the fact was that he was able to make that fight before the master arrived. And the one with two did the same. They went. Now, I want us to look at something with the third one. The third one, the Bible says that when he received it, this is what he did. You know, because sometimes we can look at stories and we say, why will he do that? The Bible says that he went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, the more I look at this scripture, the more I ask myself, it takes effort to dig. It takes effort to look for the right place to hide the money. How do I know? Because the Bible says, at the end, when he was going to respond, he said, I was afraid. And if you read many versions, you might say, Why, what was he afraid of? But 
the New Living Translation said later, I was afraid that I was going to lose your money. So I went and hid it. Now, if he was afraid that he's going to lose the money and he was going to hide it, you know, he will not hide it where anybody can see it. He will not hide it when anyone is looking. It means that he's probably is going to hide it when people are sleeping. You know, sometimes there are some movies we'll watch. We'll not watch it when everyone is sitting down. Because we know that there will be issues to it. So what we'll do is when no one is watching. When, you know, when we are actually, when people are sleeping, then we'll begin to tune into it so that we can actually hide it in our hearts. I want us to look critically at this. That this man is not the issue of lack of time. Because sometimes when we come and we make excuses and we come back to that. That, you know, the reason why I have not been able to serve is because of this. It's not the issue of lack of time. Because if it was time, you have time to look for the right place. Because he would have thought, he would look, you know, this one. People walk around this place. You know, if I hide, it's a place people pass every time. No, I can't hide it there. It's a, this place. I've seen somebody pass this side before. So, even he will be communicating with himself until he finds a suitable spot. It was not a day's work. It was something that took him time. I want us to look at it. And for him to dig, he will try not to make noise to people that will say, what is happening there? Because if you are digging, there will be noise, right? So, it's probably a spot where he knows that people will not be able to hear the sound. Because sometimes, when we read that scripture, we look at it that maybe he didn't have time. Maybe it was just too much pressure for him. Maybe he doesn't have energy. We try to make excuse for him. But the Bible says that he looked for a place and dug and hid it. Now, if you are going to dig and hide a resources or a resource that you do not want people to see, to see and take because you are afraid of losing it. You will have to dig and dig deep. So I want us to understand that the issue of this master stewardship had nothing to do with lack of time. It had nothing to do with lack of resources because you will actually have to borrow digger or whatever thing you will have to use to dig. You have to borrow shovel to pack it and put it aside. You have to borrow many things. Many things will actually take your time and occupy your time in it. Energy will be expended. It's not because I don't, know, I don't have energy. No, energy will be expended in it. Because it takes energy to dig. And it takes energy to dig to a point where you will hide something that you don't want anyone to see. So I want us to understand this. That when God has given us talents, when God has given us resources, when you and I, who are married, says, I have no time for, 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 for my wife or my, for my family, we have to remember that 
the issue of this master was not an issue of time. And we have to ask ourselves, is it true that I don't have time? I don't have time. You know, I, I don't have time. I, God knows that if I have time, I would actually serve. I want to serve, but I don't have time. How did you have time to dig? How did you have time to find where you are going to hide the thing? All the time you spent on Google to look for the right location. Was it not time? The time you spent on Facebook looking for the right friend to connect to. Was that not time that should be spent in prayer? How did you have time to know what was happening in London when you are in South Africa? And you know the update on the latest news. And you say, but I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to serve. One hour, you are already looking at the time. When did we start the service? He has been preaching for too long now. We are going to give account. Every one of us has been given 24 hours. And what we do with it, God knows. You see, when I go to work, whether I I, I, I work or I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, my wife does not know. If I come back and I say, look, eh, it's been an hectic day. She will believe what I say. It's been an hectic day. But God knows if actually I worked or not. You see, it's not an issue of being policed, policed where, ah, you know, this connect group leader, his own is even too much. This is my pastor. You see me, you say, I didn't see you last week. What is his business? It's just last week. Have I been gone forever? And then you say, ah, yeah, I was busy. God knows how busy you were. He knows what you were digging. He knows what you are trying to hide. He knows. And you are going to have to give account of it. I'm going to have to give account of it. You see, it's not an issue of, no, 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 but don't judge me. Nobody is judging anyone. I don't have any right to judge you. But what we have a right to say is to remind everyone. The Bible says, as long as it is called today. Because we don't want to get there. I say, but nobody told me. I didn't know. Now, I'll go further. There is a reward for everyone. And then finally, what should we do? What should we do? Because I want us to have some time where we can perhaps pray this morning. What should we do? Now, number one thing with this, and I know we've spoken about this servant, is that we need to examine ourselves. We need to examine ourselves. We need to examine ourselves and see that what is the issue with me? Why is it that I don't have time to serve? Why is it that I don't have time for my family? Why is it that I don't have time for the things that are of value for eternity? Why is it that I don't have time for my relationship? Why is it that I don't have time to go to a connect group? Why is it that I don't have time to meet with the rest of the believers? Why is it that I don't have time? 
What is taking up my time? We have to examine. And in examining yourself, you have to be honest with yourself. Because, you know, you can make the checklist and score yourself 100% and say, I'm fine. But we'll come to another scripture later on. I believe that when this, master, when this servant was, was, was thinking of all these things, in his mind, he was thinking that, you know, I, I have an answer for this master. I have an answer for my master. When he comes, I know what I will tell him. I know what I'm going to tell him. He has prepared it in his heart. And sometimes we answer, then we tick the box, we tick the box, we tick the box. Say, yes, I, I know what is eating my, of my time. I know why I cannot serve. I know why I cannot go to Connect Group. I know why I can't make it to church this Sunday. I know why I can't do this. And I know why I don't have time for my wife. I know why I don't have time for my children. I know why I don't have time for, for, for relationships. I know it is about myself. And I think, I, I think I'm in a nice place. You take yourself and you go. I say when they ask me, I know what to say. Another thing we have to do is we have to be humble enough to ask for advice. You see, when I look at this story again, and it says that I was afraid that I was going to lose the money. I feel this man, if his problem was that he does not know how to manage money, maybe it would have been good for him or her to have gone to the other servant and say, look, I saw you were giving five. How do you hope to, to manage this five? Maybe you can give me an advice because I'm afraid with even this one I have. You know, sometimes if we feel that we are choked up with time, we can go come to someone and say, look, I really want to serve God. I really want to come to church. I really want to do this, but I, I don't know. What, how, what is happening with my time? Maybe you can help me. Maybe you can give me an advice. Maybe you can tell me how you were able to do this. Or how you are planning to do this. How you are able to manage all this together. Because whatever you have, or whatever you are going through, somebody else have something, or even something greater. So, we must not be too proud to ask for advice. We must not be too proud to ask for help. Because there are people who we share with us. And that's why when we talk about Connect Group, you go to Connect Group. It is also an opportunity for you to say, I have this. Maybe you can put an input into it. I believe that if this servant have gone to any of these two and asked them, they might have been able to help him. But sometimes we feel we don't need help. We feel we are hooky. And then don't be lazy. That's another thing. Now, being lazy is not necessarily doing nothing. That's not being lazy. Because I just told us that this man, a dog, he looked for the place. He was doing something. But he was occupying himself with things that has no eternal value. He was occupying himself with 
things that just allows the time to pass. It wasn't that he was not doing anything. Because when the master came back, the master told him that you wicked and slothful, lazy servant. So it wasn't an issue of not doing anything when we talk about being lazy. It is an issue of what are you doing? What are you using to occupy yourself that is actually not what you should be doing at that point in time? You see, you can be doing something and if it's not what you are supposed to be doing at that point in time, it might actually amount to you being lazy. No, I'm hard working. I'm, I'm always busy. It's not an issue of being busy or not being busy. The issue is what are you busy with? Beware of excuses. Now, this is what every one of us we love and we can do. You know, we make excuses. We make it up. You know, we, we can give ourselves reasons why we should not do this. Excuse upon excuse. Excuses, excuses, excuses. We have to beware of excuses. We have to stop making excuses for why we cannot serve God. Why we cannot be in prayer. Why we cannot be in this, in that. Why we cannot use our money wisely. Ah, you know, I can't give tight because I don't have enough. I can't do it. We are always making excuses. When I have enough, I will give tight. How are you managing the one that God has given you? This issue of stewardship has to do with how we manage it. But I want to conclude this morning with a scripture. And this scripture is a scripture that the more I look at it, the more I ask God to actually help my own life. And it's in First Corinthians 4, verse 2 to 5. This is what Paul said in that scripture. Paul said, now, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, the first edition. It said, now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. What about me? Have I been faithful? That is the question. What about me? Have I been faithful? You have to ask yourself that question. I've been put in charge of something. Have I been faithful to it? I don't have, to, nobody have to judge you. Nobody have to say, you have been, you have not been, I don't think you have been faithful. No, that is not the issue. No one has to say that to you. Have I been faithful? Then he said, well, it matters very little what you or anyone else thinks. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. Now that for me is the critical issue. And this is where we need help. If somebody is saying, look, the issue of me being faithful or not being faithful is not an issue that your input is what matters. But even for me, I don't even trust my own judgment on this issue. Then you pause. That if I cannot trust my own judgment on am I faithful, then there is an issue here. If I cannot raise up my hand, that I'm faithful in all that God has committed to me. If I say, oh, I'm faithful in preaching, 
but I'm not faithful in my relationship with my wife, then there is an issue. If I'm faithful in this, but I'm not faithful in that, there's an issue. Because God is not going to say, I, um, you know, are you faithful in, in, in evangelism? Yes, okay. Come in. No. Are you faithful in what I've committed into your hand? So my question is, first of all, God, what are the things that you have committed into my hands? What are the things that I need to give account of? Because you might think that we are talking about one thing. It's not one thing. You might say, yeah, but this person is talking about faithfulness with wife and, and kids. I don't have wife and kids. It's fine with me. Yes, it's fine. But there are things you have. There are things. And you see, some of those things, none of us know it. Only you and God knows it. You know, some people are sitting here today. You know the voice God has given you. That if you sing, even when you hear your own voice, you are enjoying it. But you have chosen not to allow us to enjoy it. So you only sing to yourself. You know, I sing to myself and I know that you might not enjoy it too much if I sing it to you. So I will not sing it to you. But if you want me to sing it to you, I will still sing it. But you, you know your voice. That even when you are singing, your neighbor is listening. Say, ah, that voice. But now, you are denying us of listening to you singing for the glory of God. I don't know it, but you know it. What you have done with that voice, you will give account to it. Don't think that I'm judging you because I don't even know you. <laughs> if I know you now, you say I know you. You understand? Ah, he's talking to me. I, if I talk to you, it's because your conscience has spoken to you. You understand? This is not an issue of, oh, it's me, it's me, it's me. No. I've seen people, you, have them, you ask them to, to just share the word. And you say, oh, I didn't even know they have this in them. You are afraid. What are you afraid of? You say, I'm afraid that I will lose it. Bible says, him, I don't know whether you know that scripture. He said, he that holds on to his life will actually lose it. Did he not lose it now? He, he held on to that one. Did he not lose it now? He lost it. What are we holding on to? What are we holding on to? You're afraid that. What are you afraid of? That is the issue. Paul said, my conscience is clear, but that isn't what matters. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. You see, this for me is a critical issue. If somebody is saying my conscience is clear, but even in that, it is not me that decides. 
It's God that decides. He said, so be careful not to jump to conclusions before the Lord returns as to whether or not someone is faithful. And that's why it's not our business if you are to say, oh, you are not faithful. No. You know. When the Lord comes, he will bring our deepest secrets to light and reveal our private motives. Even for us that we think we are faithful, even our motive for faith, being faithful, it will be revealed. Bible says of Amaziah, it says, Amaziah did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not with the right motive. 2 Chronicles chapter 25 verse 2. Amaziah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect act. So what he was doing was right, but his act was not right. So this issue of faithfulness, we are not talking about doing what is right. You see, Paul said some people preach Christ out of envy. You understand? So this issue is not a matter of, oh, I'm preaching. No. What is my motive for preaching? You see, some people shared with me a few years back. They say, you know, we saw some ladies and we wanted to chat with them. And we are a Christian. And the only way we thought was, let's go and preach to them. You see, their reason for wanting to preach is wrong. They were telling me. They said, so we, we, we said, let's, let's preach to them. <laughs> you see? We can come to church and your target is one person. And you are targeting that lady. One guy met me in church sometimes ago. Not this church. Back home. <laughs> back home. He met me. And I said, oh, you know, we met in the church. And for me, it was that time of transformation. When I entered the church and I saw people that I knew were wicked in school. And I said, God, these ones, they are worshipping you. If you can touch this life, you can touch me. But this guy, when we met, as I was saying, ah, you were in church. He said, wait, wait, I'm looking for that person. His own aim is that, ah, now the church is over. I don't want to miss the reason why I came here. Don't engage me. I don't want to miss the reason. You know your motive. You know, you can say, I want to sink in the front. What is your motive? The issue here. Is why Paul was saying deep. He said, even my motive, God will look at it. And then he will give to everyone whatever praise is due. This morning, I would like us to pray. Bible says, examine yourself. It is critical that we examine ourselves. But sometimes, when we examine ourselves, you know, we can't even see everything. That's why the Bible says, you can't even see the log in your own eyes. And you are seeing the speck. You know, for every one of us that loves football, we can see where that person did not kick the ball right. We can see where he's supposed to have passed the ball. But when they put us there, it's a problem. You know, it's easy to be a spectator. And you can see, as I'm speaking, it's easy sometimes for you to say, that word, it didn't correct, it didn't say it's problem correctly. That's not the way to pronounce it. You see, that is not the issue here. The issue is that 
after I've examined myself, I must come before God to examine me. And I don't want to wait. And that is what, why we have to pray this morning. We don't want to wait till when we get to heaven. That he now examines us. But now we can still have the opportunity to examine ourselves here and have God examine us here. And that is why as we pray tonight, this morning, the scripture that came to my mind is Psalms 139 verse 23 and 24. David said, search me, O Lord, and know my acts. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the earth, the mouth speaks. He said, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. He said that see if there is any crooked way in me. Another part, version says, you know, check me and see if there is anything in me that offends you. And then lead me in the path everlasting. Because I might say, my hands are clean. Like Paul said, my conscience are clear. But even I do not decide. You know, one day we were going to, to a program and we saw that a, a poster of a politician and he raised up his two hands and he said, my hands are clean. And the person who was going with me said, no one can say his hand is clean except the man that God says is clean. You can say my hands are clean, but you are not the one that will decide. I wish you were the one that would decide your case. You will score yourself 100-100, but you are not the one. It would be, if I say score yourself, for some of us, we are strict on ourselves. We say I will still score myself 90%. But at least if you love yourself, you will score yourself 100. But unfortunately, you are not the one that will mark your own script. So this morning, before we pray, there is a song that will be played for us. I want us to know this morning, as Brother Langa said earlier on, this is not a message to condemn any of us. It is not a message to judge us. But it is that the Bible say, you know, encourage each other why it is today. And you might say, ah, but what is encouragement in this now? You are encouraged to actually examine yourself. Lest you be examined and found wanting. Maybe it's not an encouragement to you, but it's an opportunity for some of us to check ourselves again. Is there somebody here? Is there somebody who feels helpless? Who feels overwhelmed with life? Who feels that he can no longer or she can no longer manage what God has given to him or her? Is somebody who feels pressed and choked up with the issues of life? I want to tell you today that God has in his heart grace for you. He said that he might come to the throne of grace to ask for grace and find mercy to help him in time of need. The issue of this servant 
does not have to be our issue. What this master servant missed out on, we don't have to miss out on it. That is why this has become an example to us. This story is written so that we can go and look at it again. And say, what is the issue here? Because the master has the answer. This morning, if you are the person, if you feel overwhelmed, if you are in a place where you feel that I'm overwhelmed by what is happening around me, I want to serve God. I want to use the title God has given me. But I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by the situation. I feel helpless. Can you please raise up your hand this morning? Can you please raise up your hand because there is grace this morning. There is grace in the heart of the master. None of us can help ourselves. Bible says, except the Lord build the house. Those who build it labor in vain. We need his grace. We all need his grace. He knows what we are capable of doing. That's why he's not putting on that servant what he cannot do. He's not even wanting him to double it. That was not the issue. Because he told him, at least you have made profit if you have put it in the bank. The issue was not doubling it. The issue was that he wanted him to be faithful to what he has given him. If you know that you are in a place today, I feel as we were just having that song, that some of us are pressed, we are in a place that you feel I want you to lift up your hand because there is grace this morning. You feel overwhelmed that there is grace. There is no need to hide. There is no need to feel ashamed. This master, this servant feel that maybe he felt ashamed. That was why he was digging when no one would see. That was why he was hiding that when no one was going to see it. But the issue, it came out to the front because he had to give account. It will all come out to the front. Even though I might be doing it in the secrets, but it will still come back to the front. This morning, there is grace in the house. There is grace in the house. I want you to ask God to search you. If you are in a place where you don't even know, you feel that I'm confident, I think I'm fine, but or I, I think I'm fine, I'm not sure. That's another set of person. I want you to ask God this morning. Search me, oh Lord. Search me. Search me. Show me anything in my life that offends you. If there is something I'm not doing right that is offending to you, something that I'm not doing that is offending you, you know, show it to me. Show it to me. Show it to me. You know, this is a a critical issue this morning. Show it to me. You know, God help us. Show us, Lord, what we are doing that is offending to you. What we are doing. A, a preacher once said, God told him, I don't like what you are doing. He said, but I'm preaching the word. I'm preaching the word. I'm healing the sick. He said, but you don't have time for me again. You see, sometimes it's not an issue of not doing anything. But God can show us. Lord, show me. Is there something in my life? It's not about being occupied. It's about, is, is there something that you are doing that God is not pleased with right now? I would ask you to take one step further. Can you stand up from where you are seated and come to the front? Can you stand up from where you are seated and come to the front? It is a decision that you have made. It is a choice that you have made. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.